on today's episode of the Real Foodology Podcast. Why am I 350 pounds? Because I'm following the food pyramid. Who made the food pyramid? United States Department of Agriculture in conjunction with farmers who couldn't sell this crap. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of the Real Foodology Podcast. This is actually part two of my episodes with Dr. Jacoby. So if you haven't listened to part one yet, go back and listen to that first and then come back and listen to this one. So I'm curious to go back to the sugar aspect a little bit, what your thoughts are, because a lot of people debate this. What are your thoughts on fruit? This is really exciting. Organifi now has kid stuff. They just released two kid products. One is called Easy Greens, and it's a refreshing green apple juice where kids will never know that it's packed with veggies. And the other one is called Protect. It's a delicious wild berry punch like the Kool-Aid that we used to have as a kid, but without any sugar. This is really exciting. And if you've listened to the podcast for a while, you know that I'm a huge fan of Organifi and most specifically because every single product that they make is glyphosate residue free. So you know that you're going to be able to give these powders to your kids and know that they will be able to consume them safely without any glyphosate in it. So let's break down each one. The Easy Greens is a nourishing and delicious blend of superfoods and veggies that provides essential nutrients, probiotics, and digestive enzymes to bring balance to kids' growing bodies without fillers, additives, or junk. It helps to fill in nutritional gaps, aids in growth and development, supports digestive health, has a rich micronutrient profile, and includes digestive enzymes. This would be a great way to sneak in greens for your little one without them actually knowing that it's healthy for them. And the second one, which is the Wildberry Punch similar to Kool-Aid, is called Protect, and it is to support your child's daily immune health with food-derived nutrients that work to strengthen their body's first line of defense. I know just through girlfriends of mine that have children that when your kids are going to school, going to daycare, uh, they're coming home sick a lot more often just because they're getting exposed to different kids and different viruses when they're out in the world playing with kids. So this would be a great way to help to support your little one's immune health. It's organic and it's also made with real whole food ingredients. It has a delicious berry taste and it's low sugar and it's gentle enough for kids to take every single day. And I really love the ingredients in this one. It's orange and acerol cherry, which is a powerful source of vitamin C and antioxidants, astragalus, elderberry, and propolis. These are all really great for overall immune health. If you want to try the products that I talked about today or any of the Organifi products, go to Organifi.com slash Real Foodology and use code Real Foodology for 20% off. Again, that's Organifi. It's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash Real Foodology. Do you want to hear the biggest discovery of our time for promoting healthy aging? Of course you do, because all of us are concerned about aging. There is a class of ingredients called senolytics that were discovered less than 10 years ago, and they are being called the biggest discovery of our time for promoting healthy aging and enhancing your physical prime. Now, when I'm talking about aging here, I'm not just talking about on a superficial level, wrinkles and saggy skin. I'm talking about energy, joint pain, your ability to show up for your life, cognitive function. I'm talking about the real effects of cellular aging on the body and what it does to our body as we age. Now, as we age, everyone accumulates something called senescent cells in their body. They cause symptoms of aging, such as aches and discomfort, slow workout recoveries, sluggish mental and physical energy associated with that middle age feeling. They're also known as zombie cells. They're old and worn out and not serving a useful function for our health anymore, but they are taking up space and nutrients from our health cells. Much like pruning the yellowing and dead leaves off of a plant, qualia senolytic removes those worn out senescent cells to allow for the rest of them to thrive in the body. And you just take these supplements two days a month. That's right. Just two days a month. Qualia senolytic is an amazing product that helps to remove these senescent cells. And if you want to hear more about the product and more about these senescent cells that affect aging, go back to the episode that I did with Dr. Greg Kelly of Neurohacker so you can dive more into the details of all of it. But the formula that I'm talking about, Qualia Synolytic, is non-GMO, it's vegan, it's gluten-free, and the ingredients are meant to complement one another, factoring in the combined effect of all the ingredients together. If for some reason you don't like the product, you're not feeling the effects of it, it also has a 100-day money-back guarantee. If you want to resist aging at the cellular level, try Qualia Synolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash Real Foodology for up to $100 off and make sure to use code Real Foodology at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's Neurohacker, N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R.com slash Real Foodology for an extra 15% off your purchase. Thanks to Neurohacker for sponsoring today's episode. And the sugar and fruit. Sugar. Yeah. So 
I looked at that too, because when I was a kid, that was a long time ago, let's take a grapefruit. We put sugar on the grapefruit to eat it. It was so tart. We used to do that too at my house. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Which tells which tells you that sugar, or excuse me, fruit is not sweet. But in the safe, or we have the Safeway, you have, what's that supermarket? Um, Vons or Gelson. Vons, yeah. I like yeah. Vons. Yeah, me too. So their fruit is sweet. Well, of course, you, you're not, if you put that grapefruit out, oh, that's tart. Make it in a ruby red. Oh, that's lovely. I can eat that like an apple because it's got a lot of sugar, fructose. So eating on the food pyramid, you know, six to 11 helpings of grain on the bottom. What a oh, lie this insane. is, right? <laughs> yeah. Then the next level, fruits and vegetables. Well, French fry and uh, glass orange, orange juice. I got my, I'm good to go. Why am I 350 oh. pounds? Because I'm following the food pyramid. Who made the yeah. food pyramid? United States Department of Agriculture in conjunction with farmers who couldn't sell this crap. So they, NIH, mm. here's a political question. I always wondered about this. Why do politicians go to Iowa for the first caucus? The answer is because that's where the money is. Wow. It's a wow. trillion dollars. And I don't, you know, I'm not singling anybody out. Hi, Hillary, what can we do this year? Here's your check. Keep the pyramid gone. Bernie, you're goofy. You know, I mean, they all took the money, though. Except Trump, he didn't. They didn't <laughs> like him. He's crazy. He'll never get elected. He did. Yeah. Now he didn't. So the politics and the money are very well inter intervined with our food pyramid, which comes from Iowa. It's part of our science. These scientists know the answer, but they will not get published unless they do the party line. So when the senators ask for the Bible, What's in there? Let's see, Dr. Jacoby's not in there. Well, he never got funded, that's why. Oh, it says right here, they can't, and they'll never say candy. Oh yeah, if you eat candy every day, you'll be a genius. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, so I, I have an interesting experience. Well, this happened to me very recently, actually. So as I started upping my fat intake, I just kind of naturally stopped eating sugar over time, obviously. And also because I was conscious of how much sugar I was having on a daily basis. And I used to have fruit every day, whether that would be berries or I love grapefruit. Um, I, used to have an, I used to have an apple every single day. And then I slowly kind of just stopped eating it only because for me, I eat very intuitively and I follow my cravings when it comes to eating real food. And so I, I, to be honest, I didn't even really notice, but I kind of just stopped really gravitating towards fruit. So I didn't really eat a lot of it. And I'm not vilifying fruit here. I think people can still have a little bit if they want, if, if it makes them feel good. But I'm getting to the point in all this is that I recently went and I worked on a farm for a weekend and they gave us a CSA box and it was just loaded with all these amazing fruits and vegetables and everything from the farm. And I was like, immediately I got into the strawberries and the orange and I was like, oh my gosh, this is all amazing. And then not even an hour later, I crashed so hard energetically. I couldn't understand what was going on because I have not experienced a fatigue like that in a really long time. I mean, it was to the point where I was telling, I was with a girlfriend of mine and I was telling her, I was like, I feel like I, my brain isn't firing on all cylinders right now because I couldn't even have like a what I felt like was a competent conversation because I was so lethargic and I had so much brain fog. I later looked back on that and I was like, oh my God, it was the fruit. I haven't eaten fruit in a while. And I had so much sugar, I overloaded my system and I, my system was like, we're going to shut down for a bit here. And when I made that connection, I was like, wow, um, I'm glad that I stopped eating as really as much fruit as I used to. Well, that's where a lot of this argument comes in on the, the brain functions on glucose. True. But the way the brain gets glucose is converting proteins and fat to glucose, which is called mm -hmm. gluconeogenesis. That's the function. So it's like a car that is idling, idling on um, fat in the resting state, and you need a burst of energy. 
it converts to glucose to give you that, you know, nitro in your gasoline kind of. That's why you were running on, on, on sugar all day and you, you're not used to it. Same thing with alcohol. I think this is a problem too, because alcohol, which is a sugar, and which is, which is odd for me, going through that transition, I mean, I could go out and have a couple of beers. I didn't feel any effect. If I have one glass of wine now, I get that effect. I'm slurring my words before I get yeah. a half a glass because it affects me so quickly because I'm not used to the sugar anymore. And yet I see people, they drink all day long. Oh yeah, what's the problem? Because they're running on sugar, but eventually they will crash. But it is, it's, it's an odd phenomenon. I know what you're talking about. I've done the same thing. Yeah. And it's so interesting because we have always been taught that the body runs off of glucose. Glucose is the body's preferred main source of energy. And like you said, that's true, but we have taken that as now we need to eat sugar, fruit, carbohydrates for our energy. And what actually that means is that we need to be going towards the fat and the protein for the sustained energy. And you know what is so ironic? I find this so ironic about that is that if you are going toward, if you're reaching for the protein, the fat, that's going to keep you full, satiated for so much longer. And you're going to have more even blood sugar regulation across the board, which is ultimately the goal here. Whereas if you're having sugar throughout the day, you're kind of, it's like a roller coaster. You're just going like this, like you get the energy up and then you crash and then you have to eat more sugar to go back up again. And you that's don't. That's the insulin response. So I always measure that, that with my patients serum fasting insulin because they'll come in and i say and they have all the symptoms of diabetic neuropathy and i say uh are you diabetic no that way oh no i'm not a diabetic well i actually said that to a nurse in the hospital today and i better be careful so i don't identify her but she's obviously on a carbohydrate diet she's had cancer and she's mm -hmm. telling me she doesn't need carbs well you can't be that big and not eat carbs. There's only one way to get big because of the insulin. It stores fat. Mm -hmm. If you don't eat carbs, you can't gain weight. It's just impossible. And if you eat fat all day long, and as you well know, you're satisfied so quickly with a high fat diet, you go away from the meal. And if somebody came up and said, Do you want some more? And I said, No, I'm, you use the word, I'm, I'm perfectly satisfied. When uh, I, I use this, um, the turkey dinner, for, for instance, and this happens to me, you know, you go to a family dinner and, and I always call Aunt Millie always brings that minced meat pie or whatever that thing she makes. I actually have an Aunt Millie. <laughs> and what she make? Oh, you know, I don't even remember anymore. Some, I don't think it was a mince pie, but. They always bring that whatever thing they bring. They're yeah. known for the mince. Okay, so Aunt Millie does that. I overdose on uh, the turkey dinner with all that stuff I don't eat, or used to do this. And I'm watching the Lions game, which is always on on Thanksgiving. And I'm, I'm, I'm really in a coma. And Aunt Millie comes up and said, oh, here's that piece of pie. Well, I can't possibly eat that. And then she says, oh, yes, you can. And she goes and puts some ice cream on it, right? And even though I'm stuffed and in a coma, I still can eat it. Oh, yeah. When a fat-based diet, Aunt Millie, I don't want to, I, I can't because I, I don't have any desire for it. Even though I'm not stuffed, I really don't want it. And I also know if I have a little bit of sugar, I, I will gravitate back to those peanut butter things you were talking about. <laughs> yeah. Imagine having a metabolic coach in your pocket that you could access at any point, any time in the day, whenever you want. That's what Lumen is. Lumen is the world's first handheld metabolic coach. It's a device that measures your metabolism through your breath. And on the app, it lets you know if you're burning fat or carbs and gives you tailored guidance to improve your nutrition, workout, sleep, and even stress management. I have so many podcast episodes about metabolic flexibility and why it is so incredibly important for your overall health and longevity. And now thanks to Lumen, you can actually see in real time your body's ability to efficiently switch between using different fuel sources like carbs and fats. There's preferred times to use each and how well you can switch places between burning carbs versus burning fats will tell you a lot about what is going on in your metabolism and where you are in the metabolic flexibility spectrum. 
All you have to do is breathe into your Lumen first thing in the morning, and you'll know what's going on with your metabolism, whether you're burning mostly fats or carbs. Then Lumen gives you a personalized nutrition plan for that day based on your measurements. You can also breathe into it before and after workouts and meals so you know exactly what's going on in your body in real time. And Lumen will give you tips to keep you on top of your health game. Why is this so important? Your metabolism is your body's engine. It's how your body turns the food you eat into the fuel that keeps you going. Because your metabolism is at the center of everything your body does, optimal metabolic health translates to a bunch of benefits, including easier weight management, improved energy levels, better fitness results, better sleep, and more. Now, this is a really cool feature too. It can actually track your cycle as well as the onset of menopause and adjust your recommendations to keep your metabolism healthy through hormonal shifts. So if you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Real Foodology to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E and use Real Foodology at checkout for $100 off. Thank you so much to Lumen for sponsoring this episode. Did you know that most cookware and appliances are made with forever chemicals? Yes, that means your nonstick pans, your air fryers, your waffle makers, your blender could possibly have PFAS, and yes, even our beloved crock pots and pressure cookers. I have actually been talking about this for so long. Back in 2006, my mom came to my dorm room and made me get rid of all of my nonstick pans because she was concerned about me being exposed to something called Teflon. Teflon is a coating that is used on nonstick pans and a lot of these appliances that I just named. So I've avoided Teflon, nonstick, PFAS coated appliances, pots and pans, you name it, for a very long time. And the only option for the, for a very long time was just stainless steel pots and pans. So I was really excited when a company like Our Place came out because they started creating really beautiful cookware and appliances that are like pieces of art. Every appliance that I have from Our Place, I legit want to store it on the counter. And I'm the type of person that does not want anything on my counter because I like it to look really just clean and minimal. But I'm so obsessed with all the Our Place products that I have so many of them displayed on my counter because they are legit pieces of art. Our Place is a mission-driven and female-founded brand that makes beautiful kitchen products that are healthy and sustainable. All their products are made without PFAS, which are the forever chemicals, and also made without PTFE, which is Teflon. If a company is not outwardly stating that they don't use these chemicals, then if they are using non-stick coating on their appliances, they are absolutely using forever chemicals. And there's been increasing global scrutiny for their impact on the environment and our health. And recognizing this impact, the EU plans to prohibit PFAS by 2025. Our place has always been PFAS free and they offer durable toxin-free ceramic coatings, ensuring a healthy, safe cooking experience. And let me tell you, you guys, they are changing the game with non-toxic appliances. They have a blender, they have an air fryer, they have a crock pot, not to mention their amazing always pan. They have a perfect pot, which is just the perfect size for soups. And they also just came out with a cast iron that I'm loving as well. And I more recently replaced all of the bowls and plates in my kitchen because I really needed an upgrade. My other ones were so old. So I got some from our place and they are so beautiful. The ceramics are beautiful. The colors are amazing. Like I said, everything is like a piece of art. If you want to try any of the products from our place, go to fromourplace.com and enter my code realfoodology at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code realfoodology. Our place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns. Yeah. I mean, that's the problem. You know, I will say this though. And you know, for people listening, once I got to this place where I don't really crave sugar anymore, it doesn't mean I never eat it anymore. And I don't know, maybe you'll, you'll fight me on this and and maybe you feel differently, but cause I believe ultimately life, life is finding this balance of eating truly what you love and what makes you happy while also supporting the body and its nutritional needs But what I've found is that the less sugar I eat, the less I crave it. However, if I find myself in a situation where I'm like, man, I really want this cake or this cookie or whatever it is, I'm going to eat the cookie. But I make sure that I support my body and nutritional needs in other ways throughout the day. And I also don't eat five cookies in a sitting or whatever it is. Because honestly, I've also found that when I do have that one cookie, half the time I'm like, oh man, I actually don't feel that great afterwards. And for me, ultimately the goal is to feel good in my body and feel good about the food choices I make so that when I consume the foods and then if I feel like crap an hour later, I'm not really going to eat that again because it just doesn't feel good to be in your body when you feel like crap. 
I will do the same thing every once in a while. You know, I'm at a you know birthday party, which is the hardest part. Yeah. And they force you to eat that because it's antisocial. And there's no substitute there. You're trapped. But even at that, I, it makes me nauseous now. But I used to eat a lot of it when I was a kid. I mean, my mother made a great chocolate cake. Oh, God, I could eat the whole yeah. thing. Right? Yeah. And then as I was in college, God, a cup of coffee and a piece of chocolate cake. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's nirvana. But Truly. you know, I was in my 20s. So I went to the gym every day. I kept my weight down. But as time went on and I get older, I went to, I, and I did, I went to the gym every day of my life, but I was creeping up because I was, I was rewarding myself with a high carbohydrate dinner. And at the hospital, say, I just did surgery in the morning in those days, every day, surgery. And then the hospital food is nothing but carbs. Very good. And they had these mm. oatmeal raisin cookies. Mm. Oh, they were good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> And I would put it in my white jacket. You know, I, I had, I just, I re then I went to the gym for God's sake. But man, it just, again, it goes back to, it's an addiction. You know, we gotta, we gotta break that addiction. And, and the first step is knowing that it's an addiction and admitting that we're addicted. And then that's okay. Hi, no my name is Dr. Jacoby. I have a sugar addiction. Hi, I'm Courtney, and I definitely had a sugar addiction. So, <laughs> well, I think you're absolutely right. You need yeah. to, to um, come to terms with that. I actually can't eat anything like that anymore because I know I don't have that self control. I mean that, yeah. and I—that's what I mean. I think women can do that. They'll have a bowl of M and M's out. Oh, just have one. I, how do you do one M and M? Oh, I, I can't do that either. I'm, I'm actually vehemently against having like bowls of candy out because if it's going to be out in your face all day, you're going to eat it a lot. And I would and did, you know, I can't have it around. I don't even I'm, go to restaurants that have stuff like that. Yeah, I don't either. And again, it's, yeah, it's about choosing higher quality foods that make your body feel good because then you know what? The beauty of it is you're not going to crave that stuff anymore. I don't eat those peanut butter M&Ms anymore. I don't even crave them. I mean, that's what I tell patients. Don't waste your money on cheap carbs. Yeah. If you really want to have that, like wine, get a really expensive bottle of wine because you're not going to chug along it. You're going to sip it. Or I have a better alternative. Go to a place like um, Dry Farm Wines. Well, you'd have to order it online. But uh, the reason I love this wine company so much is they ferment it down to where there's no sugar left in it. And so, and it's organic. So there's no glyphosate in it. What's the name of it? Dry Farm Wines. It's actually, they have keto wines. You waited all this time to tell me that? <laughs> so when I drink my wine now, I get my wine from Dry Farm Wines, and they're not even crazy expensive. I'm they're expensive. Down. I love that. Yeah, Dry Farms. I actually had the founder on my podcast not too long ago. Where, where are they uh, located? They are in um, Napa area, but they actually import all of their wines from Europe. Because of so, the organic, the glyphosate. Yep, exactly. Wow. Yeah, they're really incredible. And like I said, they're not crazy expensive. They're going to be more expensive than your $10 bottle, you know, from the grocery store, but they're not that bad. bad. So they ferment it down to get the sugar out. Yep. That's interesting. Um, that's, that's good to know. Yeah, it's really interesting. That is probably the biggest problem that most people have is getting off of, or, or just going out to a restaurant restaurant, and not having that. So what I do, I mean, I first of all, I like meat. That's the other big thing that we didn't discuss. Invariably, when I had this discussion with my patient, I said, how's your diet? I don't know why they do this, but they always lean in and say, I don't eat red meat. <laughs> and I don't know, like it's a secret. And I, and I always think, and I go, you don't eat red meat, but you must be eating something because you can't be 300 pounds. And, but they believe that scenario. Which, you know what is, is so ironic? Yeah, meat is great. You know, the studies that link meat to cancer, I don't know about linking it to cardiovascular disease, but I know specifically the ones that link to cancer, they didn't take any lifestyle factors into account. So smoking, exercise habits, and then on top of that, they used conventional factory farmed meat. So this meat was 
from sick animals. It was pumped full of growth hormones, antibiotics, fed GMO corn, so it was a different type of fat. Uh, And so these studies were not done on grass-fed, organic, pasture-raised cows, and that is the key. Well, you know, that brings me up to a new phenomenon that's going on out there, and I don't know, this is political, of course, but the story is that Bill Gates is buying farmland all over the place, and he just bought a huge track of land out here in Arizona. Mm. And the story is that he is trying to get people off of meat mm. because it's bad for the environment. I don't, that, to me, that is not correct. What we're doing to the animals yes. is the problem. Not, I mean, cows have been around forever. Cows are kind of fun people. They just kind of roam out there and ruminate. Well, you just nailed it. Mm-hmm. They eat grass and their droppings fertilize and add to the soil and, you know, the whole ecosystem story. And when we have husbandry that's correct and we eat grass-fed animals, our omega-3 fatty acids are elevated, our omega-6 fatty acids are back to balance. Did you read uh, Boyd Eaton's book on the Paleolithic diet back in the 80s? No, I didn't read that actually. Long story short, he's uh, from Emory University and he looked at what did we eat 10,000 years ago? And that's the answer. It's one to one, threes to six to nines. They're all one. Yep. The omega-6. Our diet today is about 22 to 23 omega-6 over threes. It's inflammatory. And but one little double bond over by three spaces, which is amazing because those um, carbohydrate linkages are inflammatory on one one side and anti-inflammatory on the other. So we should be eating meat properly raised. Cows eat grass. Uh, chickens they don't they don't eat corn. We feed them corn. Mm-hmm. They're actually they here in Arizona. Grass. They eat bugs. Yeah. They're from the vulture family. They're good to have in Arizona because they eat scorpions. Oh my God. Wait, that's incredible. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you just hit the nail on the head on that. I actually had someone on my podcast very recently. He's the um co-founder of a company called Kiss the Ground. And if you have not seen that documentary yet, I tell everyone to watch it. Interviewing you. Kiss the ground. <laughs> I love it. Um Yeah, it's called Kiss the Ground. And basically, they go into um, how we're able, how we are going to be able to reduce, or sorry, not only reduce climate change, but reverse it by using regenerative farming. And in order to do regenerative farming, you need the cows as part of the process because you need the whole ecosystem. Right. The worms, the the nitrogen, the whole whole theory. So now, see, and this is the political portion of it with the lack of information because the climate is being destroyed. There's no question about it, but it's how it's being destroyed and how you would correct it. The Mississippi river and all the nitrogen going down to New Orleans and killing our shellfish um, ecosystem. Yeah. Just change that. But cows are, you know, cows are besides they're just like viruses. They have a part to play as we do. Yeah. In our microbiome and a whole thing, and we can still relate to the environment. We don't have to be left or right. We just need to look at what nature provided and care for it. And if, and I, I kind of look at like the Buddhists do. If you harm an animal, that animal will harm you. Mm. So if you're harming, can you imagine these cows and these cafos, force mm. feed, force fed corn, mm. given antibiotics. They're, they they have to slaughter them in six months because they would have died with that diet. Yeah, they get so sick. And they get sick and you eat that meat, you will get sick. So it's a yeah. big circle. So we need to be regenerative farmers. We don't have to be, you know, tree huggers. I'm certainly not a tree hugger. I do like your dry farm wines, though. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> yes. And kiss the ground. Yes, you're right. Yeah. I I mean, I, I just love, I love that concept so much because I think um, that's the way that we're going to save the planet and we're going to reduce climate change. 
So I have another question for you that I'm sure a lot of people are wondering listening to this. How do you feel? I feel like I already know your answer because we probably agree on this, but I want to hear how you feel about artificial sweeteners like aspartame, ACE-K, sucralose, which is better known as Splenda. Right. So GD Cyril Company, this is ironic that uh, Donald Rumsfeld was the president of, who was then, then became the Department of Defense chairman. He wanted to get um, aspartame through the FDA. It did not pass. This was under Reagan. So they reformed the committee. They got it passed. The, the person who was the PR person for that company then became, or from the FDA, became the PR person. It was an inside job. So what is, the, what is aspartame? Aspartame is really a sugar molecule that's cut with formaldehyde, embalming fluid, by the way. And it's still sweet without this chemical. Now you have formaldehyde. At high temperatures, it turns into methyl alcohol. That's Gulf War syndrome, by the way. So you have Diet Coke on the tarmac in Iraq at 140 degrees, you make formaldehyde turns into methyl alcohol. That's Gulf War syndrome. And um, he was, Rumsfeld was the head of the Defense Department. He, and he was the head of that company. He formed his own disease. So, yes. So all the derivatives of aspartame, no matter if it's Splendor, whatever, are all the same. They're bad for you. They will make you gain weight because you, it, it affects your hormones and you, you can't stop eating it. So I always find that ironic. I see people, they have two Big Macs and a Diet Coke. I mean, what's that about? Oh, and a peach. They always throw in a peach or something. <laughs> It's been so long since I've even seen a McDonald's. So I don't know. But I mean, yeah, it's just funny that, that we've now, now we think that the diet soda or the diet food or whatever it is, the diet candy is fine because it does not have sugar in it. But these artificial sweeteners are only contributing to different sides of disease now instead of the sugar. Cause I've, I don't know the validity in this and I was hoping maybe you could speak on this, but I've read that there are certain things like aspartame, for example, the artificial sweeteners that are connected to cancer and tumor growth. Is that true? Do we know? Yes, okay. true. Yeah, because um, there's a book out now. I don't know if he addresses this specifically, but um, anti-aging book by David Sinclair. Mm. He's a yeast biologist at Harvard. Can you imagine becoming a yeast biologist? <laughs> wow. Wow. How boring is that? But it's a great book. <laughs> so he looked at this aging process. So the takeaway from his book is that aging is a disease. Interesting concept. So he looked at yeast. They replicate about 25 times, then they die. They're out of here. Jellyfish, on the other hand, live forever, unless they get run over by a, you know, a ship or whatever eaten by a, somebody else. So he looked at the jellyfish genes, took those genes that made them live longer, put them in the yeast, 25 divisions, 50, 75. Hmm. Now we know the genes, put them in the mice, they live longer. Then he looked at the things that would make us not live longer, sugar being one of them, and a lot of other things, but sugar number one, if you eat a lot of sugar, you'll die sooner than you should by all these diseases we just talked about. Yeah. So his book addresses that in a, a highly scientific way, I think. But it's a, it's a good book. You would like that book. I'm going to check I'll it out. It. And so how do you, yeah, I have, a, I have a lot of reading material for after this episode, which I'm excited about. How do you feel about the more healthier all, um, artificial, or they're, I guess they're not artificial sweeteners, but things like stevia, monk fruit. 
I, I, when I was getting off of sugar, I did use stevia. Now it's too sweet for me, so I don't need that sweetness. The monk fruit, I don't know the real answer to that. It certainly is sweet. It's not a carbohydrate, I think, but I don't know what it does to insulin. So I really haven't looked into that. So I don't yeah. really have an answer. Okay. But it is very popular. It's very popular. I try to find monk fruit that's just pure monk fruit because a lot of the monk fruits now are um, paired with erythritol. Do you know anything about erythritol? What do you think about that? Well, if it ends in a no, it's an alcohol sugar, which mm-hmm. it is, and it's artificial, and that means it's bad. Okay, so erythritol is a no-go. Yes. Interesting. Well, I'm going to have to get rid of that. <laughs> I have a bunch of monk fruit in my cabinet right now that is mixed with erythritol. So I'm going to get rid of that. I don't know what the monk fruit, I think monk fruit is okay, but I, I really, I, I haven't really explored it. So I don't, I don't want to comment. Yeah, of course. I want to end this on this note because we've talked for so long and this has been such an amazing conversation. I'm so happy that you're able to come on. Can we just briefly touch on, I think this is something that you and I are both going to agree on that the body is built to heal itself ultimately, you know, and it's all about, it's our job to do things that can support it in that healing and just make sure that we're not doing things that are detrimental to our health. So for example, eat sugar. How would you recommend that people support their body in, in healing itself naturally? Well, diet is number one and you need, I think you need to be on a ketogenic diet. Not that I'm totally ketogenic. I still eat carbs. Otherwise I'd probably weigh a hundred pounds. Um, the body makes its own stem cells. So a ketogenic diet supports the body's own stem cells, the bone marrow, where they're produced. So that's what stem cells do. If you have an injury, they go to the area of inflammation and they bring with them about 500 growth factors. And it's like they have the electrician and the plumber and that's what they're like, chemistry. And they'll repair it naturally. I use a lot of stem cells in my practice. And by the way, we're not allowed to use that word anymore. Government, FDA. Oh, wow. Why is that? Because it works. <laughs> it works and it works very nicely. And there are no side effects, but there's not a lot of research. And they're really not stem cells, by the way. Perinatal tissue from the live birth. I'm not talking about um, embryonic stem cells, fetuses. That's not legal and not ethical. But I'm talking about non-embryonic, we call it perinatal tissue, mm-hmm. amniotic fluid, the umbilical cord, and things of that nature. They have growth factors, which was originally thought to have stem cells. And stem cell definition is that they can replicate and duplicate, which they really can't. But the growth factors in them can heal, and they mm-hmm. do. And I've done it several times myself. Now, if you want to do it IV, um, people do it here in the United States. FDA is not too excited about it. And I think there's going to be some laws passed very soon that allow big pharma to do that because they'll have done the research, which we can't do because it's too expensive. Mm. So the only alternative to go out of the country, which I have done, Mexico has good uh, perinatal tissue and they can expand it and they can grow it. And I went to, to look at their process. I also went to Panama to look at Dr. Reardon's clinic down there. And I've been there a couple of times. Yes, these things do work. Perfect diet plus perinatal tissue, heal anything. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that. Disease is not an absence of medication. It's a poor, it's a poor diet. No. So now I'm, I'm like an ex-smoker. When I'm talking, I'm an ex-sugar carbohydrate loader. But I didn't know any better. I only knew what I knew. You don't know what you don't know. And um, my personal experience was I had my gallbladder out 25 mm-hmm. years ago. And, but my mother had her gallbladder out. And what's the gallbladder diet? No fat, right? Yeah. So I'm thinking, okay, so I'm eating carbs. But that's what causes gallbladder disease, carbs, sugar, not fat. But see, even today, 
today, let's see how many gallbladders I just looked in. I think it was 800,000 gallbladders taken out last year. 800,000. Oh my God. Is that number rising? Yes, because they're telling them don't eat fat. So back to my nerve theory. So I did the deep dive. The vagus nerve innervates the gallbladder. Gallbladder is a muscle. The nerve, muscle, nerve, muscle function. Vagus nerve, gallbladder, empty, doesn't empty all the way. You leave our friend cholesterol, turns into a stone, gets in the duct, and it hurts, I'm telling you. Mm. Get this thing out of here, which I did. But then I started to look at nutrition, and I went, oh, my God, I was causing my own disease. But it's not. The diet today is don't eat fat for gallbladder disease, exactly what you shouldn't do. So, I mean, I, I learned this in school. So would you say, well, I don't want anyone to self-diagnose. They need to see their doctor about it. But uh, yeah, I learned in school that when you have gallbladder disease, you cannot eat fat. Right. Yeah. So that's, wow. Now. I was really ingrained in us in school. Oh, yeah. So this is, this is kind of another sidebar to, I, I spent a lot of time writing this book. Every time I had a concept, I read, read five books to support it. So it took um, forever. That's amazing. Yeah. So Dr. Yeah, so Dr. Dallins, and he, he gave me the challenge. He said, why don't you figure it out? So I did. And so one of the books I read, he said that 50% of the people who have their gallbladder out will go on to have diabetes, but he never explained why. Because hmm. he's a neurologist at Mayo Clinic, world famous. So I, I was in the hospital at the time when I was seeing the, these amputations all the time. So this is in the back of my mind. And I just had my gallbladder out and I'm trying to figure this puzzle out. So, and I, I see a patient, new patient. Hi, Mrs. Jones, what can I do for you? Oh, I see you have gangrene. Uh, we're going to have to take your leg off. This is the business I'm in. And um, let's go over your history. Oh, you had your gallbladder out. 25 years ago. Oh, you have cardiovascular disease. Wow. Now you have an amputation. What is the connection? Dr. Dick did not know the connection, but he did point out the obvious. And here I am, freshly amputated gallbladder. And I'm saying to myself, is this me 25 years from now? And if I didn't change my diet, it would have been. Mm. And so the answer is, fat is what you want. Sugar is what you do not want. And should I even say it this way? Sugar is what you crave, what you don't need. Fat is what you don't want, what you really need. It's a paradox. But we were taught. We were educated into ignorance is what happened. We were indoctrinated. That's the Krebs cycle. Yeah. why would you memorize that thing? It's ridiculous, right? But you had to memorize it. Yeah. I and that's indoctrination. You should really have been exposed to it. I went back and see who Kreb was, by the way. <laughs> and he was student of Otto Warburg, who was best friends with Albert Einstein. Wow, that's so interesting. They had dinner every Sunday night. They discussed these things we just discussed. They knew all this stuff. Yeah. So that's where the biochemistry came from. And you had to memorize the Krebs cycle because if you didn't memorize it, you're considered stupid. Yep. And and if I asked you what the Krebs cycle was, could could you repeat it? Probably not. No, I wouldn't be able to repeat the whole thing. I could, once I look at it again, I would remember it because we had to, it was really ingrained in us to memorize it. Yeah. But the answer is don't eat sugar. They never told you that. Well, exactly. I mean, that's ultimately, you know, I just thought of one more question before you go, because I realized that we didn't touch on this at all, or I guess it's not even really a question, but I just want to go over it really quickly. The rise of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, because I can see the direct correlation there 
between that and sugar. And for those listening that don't understand what that is, it's essentially we normally see fatty liver disease only in alcoholics, or we used to only see it in alcoholics. But now we have a new term called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which means that people are developing fatty liver disease, and oftentimes at much younger ages than before, too. Like we're seeing it in kids, which is just sickening. But we're seeing this as um, in bodies of people that are not alcoholics. And that's directly related to high fructose corn syrup. So the glucose doesn't go through the, I mean, some of it does, but it's really not processed by the liver. But fructose is. And my read on this, so really fructose, back to the wine issue, it's, it's really fermented alcohol and it's going through the liver to be processed. So you're not an alcoholic, non-fatty, non-fatty liver alcohol. It, and the alcoholic cirrhosis is because of the alcohol. But high fructose corn syrup really is the same thing. But mm-hmm. in addition to that, it turns off leptin. And so you can't stop eating okay. and you just eat yourself to death. So it's a real disease. Mm-hmm. And that is, I think, part of the skinny hog that I talked about before. So you, because when they, are you familiar with Fat um, Chance? Mm-hmm. Okay. He wrote Fat Chance. He talks about that a lot. He's an en- a pediatric endocrinologist and the biochemistry of the liver. And that is a real disease with the specific sugar of fructose, which really is related to alcohol. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the biochemical pathway where glucose is on another pathway. And I remember debating this when I was in school, a sugar is a sugar is a sugar. And that may be what you were taught as well. Calories in, calories out. If you eat less calories, you don't gain weight, but it's really not true. Yeah. Because there's more calories in, in fat, nine calories to gram, and carbohydrates have five calories per gram. So it's natural to say, well, I'm going to eat less calories and I'll get skinny. Not true. Not true. Well, because you ultimately are craving more food more often when you're a carbohydrate burner where you're eating more carbohydrates. Whereas when you're eating fat, like I said earlier, you get to a place of satiety or, you know, where you're satisfied essentially and you're not, you're not wanting to eat more food. Correct. Yeah. Now, a lot of people think that's boring. <clears throat> And I thought about that. I think a lot of the keto food is boring, but now I notice there's lots of new recipes. And that's really what French food is about. Very rich butter, cream, small Mm -hmm. amount of um, protein, and very elaborately done. And very, as you said, very, it's very satisfying. And they drink wine. Now I'm going to drink dry farm wines. And it, and it's and they're they're they have desserts, but their custard is not creme brulee, where you put sugar on top. It's eggs and cream. That's what a custard is. That's, That's a keto so cool. dessert. Yeah. Who put that sugar on the top? You don't need that. Yeah. You know, and for everyone listening, I talk way more in depth about the ketogenic diet with on my episode with Mark Sisson because he talks about this too. And we don't have to go into this right now, but you can still eat a ketogenic diet and not be like chasing, feeling like you always have to be in ketosis. And he talks about this, about how he actually doesn't think that it's that healthy. So to I think there's- constantly in ketosis. I would agree with that. Yeah. I think that there is, um, yeah, like there's a misconception for p- that people eat keto, that they're just constantly in ketosis. And in my opinion, and also Mark talks about this, he said that it's not healthy. So- I would recommend going back and listening to that episode because we don't have time. We've, we've already spoken for so long about this, but I agree with you. Yeah, it's, um, it's all about finding that balance of eating you know, a lot more fats than you normally think that you would and eating less carbohydrates because I still eat carbohydrates. I don't want to vilify them entirely. You know, I eat rice. I eat this really amazing gluten-free buckwheat sourdough bread almost every single day. It's incredible. But I eat more fat than I did in the past. And I've found that it's really helped level out my mood, my energy, my cravings, everything. I totally agree. Yeah. So cool. So how did you, how did, 
why did you become a nutritionist? Oh, that's like a loaded question. Well, okay. My biggest thing, my biggest motivator was when I was in, there was a couple factors. When I was in college, I mentioned this briefly earlier, but I I had come from a home where my mom was cooking every single meal from scratch and she was buying mostly organic. She was really on the health food trend before it was really a trend. So when I went to college, I went full ham in the other direction. You know, I was obviously eating the cafeteria every day. So that was not super highly nutritious food. I was eating all the fast food I couldn't eat when I was in, you know, in my home with my parents, et cetera. Beer, all of that played a factor. I gained a ton of weight and I felt super lethargic. I just felt I got sick all the time. I would get sick like clockwork every couple months for years, especially like all throughout college. So when I got out of college, um, I had taken one nutrition class. It was literally my last class in my undergrad. And I was like, oh, crap, I actually really loved that. Why did I not study nutrition? But over the years, I just started getting really, really into it. And I ultimately decided that I wanted to work in health and wellness, mostly motivated by the fact of learning the way that we are lied to as a society from the food industry, from big pharma, and how we are led to, yeah, I mean, we're just misled in our diets. And I really saw that as um, something that I, I just got very passionate about it. And I wanted to share with everyone that there is a better way that you may have to pave the, the path for yourself. Because unfortunately, as we have seen, like, um, we're being, we have sugar and all this really unhealthy food being shoved down our throats. And we're being told that, yeah, it's fine. You can just eat less and you'll be healthy, but we've just been lied to all along the way. All yeah, and for what? Last 50, 60, 70 years and it's yeah. still what we our conversation is still like a fringe kind of conversation. Now there are a lot of people obviously you interview and, and I do as well, but still my patient population, they mm. they they really want a pill. That's what they want. Yeah. Um, to allow them to eat sugar, insulin, metformin, all those drugs. When you think about it, why are they taking those drugs to get their sugar down so they can eat more sugar? That's the whole industry. Mm. And it's, it's, it's insanity. Now the government is paying for it. And that's part of the big, this is the, it's a, it's a cabal between big farming, big pharma, and and the government because they want to keep that thing going. Well, it makes money. money. Yeah, exactly. It makes money. It just makes me so sad because I know what it's like to be in that place where I felt, because I remember back in the day, if someone had been like, I'm going to take away your peanut butter M&Ms from you every day or your vitamin water, I mean, I was addicted. So it would be like taking cocaine from a cocaine addict, you know? And so I understand why people want to hold on to these things so desperately. But when you're in that place, you don't even realize how sick you feel until you're on the other side. And once you're on that other side, you don't want anything to do with any of those foods, which is the beauty of all of this. And so this is really where my passion lies, is I want people's eyes to be opened up to this reality And also I want to provide them with tools to show them how they can better their life and feel good in their bodies. That's ultimately what it's all about. You want to have energy. You you had that passion. That's what I was really asking. Where did that passion come from? To be honest, I really don't know. Like I just, the more I dove into that side of all of it, you know what changed everything for me was reading, um, oh God, I'm gonna have to look this up right now. It's a book by Michael Pollan. And it was, I just can't remember the name of it. Um, Well, I'll add it in the show notes because I'm blanking on which one it was right now. But basically, he goes... Omnivore's Dilemma? Oh, it was called In Defense of Food. In Defense of Food, yeah. And he goes back into the history of industrial farming and how we got to the place that we are today. And I think it was that was such a turning point for me because... I just, I've been able to see so clearly for so long how, how much we've been lied to and how the wool has been pulled over our eyes. Again, because all of these companies ultimately at the end of the day are, it's business. The sugar industry is a business. The food industry is a business. Big pharma is a business. Healthcare is a business. And 
I wanted, I don't know why, I, I really don't understand where the passion came. I just feel like I can see it so clearly and I just want everyone to understand that this is happening so that we can change it. So do you practice as a nutritionist? I was, but I'm actually not practicing at the moment now. What, what do you do? I do this podcast full time and then I do recipe development with my Instagram. What was the second part? Recipe development on my Instagram. So I do recipes uh, with brands in collaboration with brands. Oh, that's what that's what's needed in the keto world, the, the recipes. Yeah. So people are not bored. So you do this full time. Yep. Impressive. Yeah. Thank you. Well, it's, I feel very um, grateful that, that I'm able to do my work as my, you know, my passion, but it's, I just feel so strongly about this. And I, I, to be honest, I can't really explain where the care comes. I just care. It really just comes, it just boils down to, I just care. I want to see everyone live happy, healthy lives. And I can see it so clearly. And so many people in the United States are suffering and like you said earlier, 94% of hospitalizations of people are there literally for cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and I can't remember the other one that you said, but they're all linked to diet. Yeah. Every no, single obesity, one Obesity, cardiovascular disease, yeah. and diabetes, the same disease. We're just giving them labels. Yeah. Um, and, and when I speak like this, I get pushed back like, well, you don't care. You don't understand. I said, I understand more than you can imagine. Yeah. Why would I? pat them on the back and say, you know, oh, you're going to be fine and never tell them the truth. That's what industry is doing. You're making well, money. Off it's of gas. It. It's gaslighting. 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 Right. I like yeah. that. They're contributing to the problem and then they're blaming the population as if it's their fault for getting sick. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just all like a money making cycle, right? Whereas the problem, I mean, cause the problem is, is that imagine if we got everyone off of sugar on healthier diets, everyone would get down to healthier weights. There really wouldn't be as big of an issue with diabetes. We really wouldn't have an issue with cardiovascular disease. There goes all the medications for all of that. There goes all of the surgeries and all the money in the hospitals, the doctors, um, and there goes all of the, the money contributing from the sugar industry, the processed foods. I mean, it's all money. It's money. And that's why I feel so strongly about it is because people think that that they're being protected by the government. And, and you know, I, I feel like so many people have this thought that, oh, the government would never allow this to happen. They're, contri- they're a part of it. They're, they're the cause of it. Yeah. I, so when I, in, in podcast, I was saying with the Iowa caucus and why do people go, why do the politicians go to Iowa? Because that's where the money is. There was a famous bank robber in the 50s, and his name was Willie Sutton. I don't know if you know this story. And he would constantly rob banks. he get arrested. They put him in jail. This went on and on and on. I said, Willie, why do you rob banks? And he said, because that's where the money is. <laughs> so it's the same thing with the politician. Why do you go to Iowa? Because that's where the money is. You get the big check from them. You'll get elected. You pay off the senators. And I mean it. They do pay them. And they bet on every horse. And they win because yeah. it's a big cabal. You mentioned well, Michael Paul. And, and he has, um, what was I going to say? On his book, doesn't he have a farm back east where you can stay on the farm for a week and just live off the land and see what that's like again? Is he still doing that? I read about that a while ago, but I haven't really read about it recently. I think I'd rather stay in the farm in Napa with the dry farm wine. With with the wine? (laughs) Yeah. Do they have a program where you can stay on? I'm not sure. You'll have to ask that. that. I want to do that. Yeah, I would love to do that too. (laughs) You know, so I I did not know you can make a wine without the sugar or at least... uh, I didn't know that either. And actually, I would recommend you going and listening to his podcast because he goes into it. They test every batch for the sugar. There's an, a, there's an old joke. The, my old biochemistry professor is retired. And I said, what are you doing? You are so passionate about your research. And he says, well, I'm retired now, but I'm still researching how to turn wine and beer into urine. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's his joke, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. So that's what happens with the that's what happens with the sugar. 
That's yeah. back to the fatty liver disease. Yeah, that would, well, yeah, that would be a fun thing to do. That would be a really fun thing to do. But yeah, I mean, I obviously went on a tangent about it, but I'm clearly very passionate about it. But I just see it so clearly that all these industries work in tandem. You know, it's like you have this one issue over here. So we we create the issue with the sugar and then we resolve the issue with the medication. And it's all about the money, you know, because there's not a lot of money to be made in real healthy food that keeps you healthy. No, there isn't. And it's that fine line of finding that customer for life. Some of the diabetes on medication, they're a customer for life. Oh, it's yeah. horrible. It's horrible. I, I mean, you really it, don't want to solve a disease because it cuts it off. And that's what the stem cell's about because it does solve the problem. Yeah. But a ketogenic diet plus stem cells, you really don't need any medicine whatsoever. Yeah. Imagine a world like that. And I do want to say this because I, I feel like I need to say this um, in every podcast. I'm not vilifying modern Western medicine. It has done so many amazing things for us. And we would not be alive, I feel like, as we would not still be on this planet without certain medications. I just think it's gotten to the point now where we are over-medicating. And we are, you know, and for a lot of things that could be addressed with diet. Most of them. Well, I think doctors do recognize that they don't take medicine. Isn't that interesting? They prescribe medicine, but they don't take it. Well, it's a big, it's a problem with if we don't, if like the cholesterol issue, you must prescribe a statin. It's part of the culture with the insurance companies. They're all in on it together. Mm. And it's a shame. If you're taking a medication, there's something wrong with you and you mm -hmm. need to change it. And it's, if you change your diet, it'll go away. Yeah. No matter what it is. Oh, God. But like you said earlier, it's like we're spraying raid on it instead of just removing the sugar. Exactly. Yeah. God. Well, this has been an absolutely amazing conversation. I'm so glad. That well, look at what I learned. Kiss the ground and drive and drive farm wise. I mean, yeah. I learned. It's a really great documentary. It's on Netflix. I highly recommend it. It's such a good Good documentary. I've seen it twice. I loved it. Yeah. Well, you're a good interviewer. I appreciate the time you spent. Oh my heaven, that was almost two hours. I know. I've never done a podcast this long before. So thank you. Oh my heavens. Yeah. It was really, really incredible. So before we go, tell everyone where they can find you. Online. You can't. No. Um, <laughs> well, I'm still in practice. <laughs> uh, so I'm still in Scottsdale. And I, I this is what I do. I write on the side. So that's not really my business. Uh, although I did like writing that book and I'm trying to get a new one out on stem cells. Um, go to my website, Extremity Health Centers. Uh, but if you want to read the book, it's out on uh, the audio now, which is excellent. I didn't do it, but the people that did it, it made it really did a good job. And it's Amazon. That's where everybody seems to buy their books. And yeah. um, and it's still selling very, very well. It's actually selling better now than when it first came out. Because, Amazing. yeah, I think people are much more health conscious because of COVID-19. Yeah. And which, see, I think that might be the a good thing in podcasts like yours. I've been on a lot. Um, and even though I'm, I'm saying the same thing, everybody brings something different out in me in the conversation, depending on what your background is. And there's some amazing people out there, as you well know, and yeah. you have them on your show. Um, and they're just as passionate about this as you are. So it kind of builds and feeds on itself. I love that. Well, you know, it's going to take a, an army of us to, you know, resolve this. So I'm happy that there are, are a lot of people that are speaking out now. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on today. This was great. My pleasure. This is a Resonant Media production, produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The song is by Georgie. As always, please don't forget to rate and review the podcast. It really helps me in this show a lot. See you next week.